Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Developing a forerunner culture, uh, this session, uh, session six, is entitled Give and It Will Be Given. Now, you guys can probably already guess where the direction of the, uh, the major direction of the session is going, but I really want to highlight that uh, at least for my experience of the subject of giving money to God uh, and giving money to different kingdom businesses and ministries and people and initiatives, at least for my experience, the subject of giving away money has mostly been about encountering God in supernatural ways. That has mostly been what the, the dialogue and the interaction and the, the conversation has been about um, and has been my experience uh, for my whole Christian life. And so some people, when they hear about giving, they think, oh, you know, the, the pastor wants our money or, you know, the ministry just needs money. They're always asking for money. I never think that. I'm never thinking about that. I'm always thinking about these are ways to encounter God that he's invited us into in the Bible. And I want to encounter God. I want to have lots and lots of encounters with God. And I want to provoke you to have those encounters. So, uh if you've got kind of a little bit of a you know crusty thought process about um, about giving, and it's like oh man, this is another one of those I'm going to leave and feel like I got to give away money. I, shift your thought process. Get rid of the burden and like duty. That's not what this is about. This is about encountering God, and I hope that by the end of the night uh, you're able to kind of feel that. And uh, I'll I'll say this: <clears throat> there's not too many messages that. I've ever preached that I would say this message has the potential to change your life. I, I don't say that very often when I preach. I don't, I mean, I, I'm sure every message could, but I like, there's a few messages, a very small number, like four or something that I would go, I really feel like this message has the, the possibility, the chance, the potential to change your life if you'll fully embrace it. If you will go nuts on this and just ape in, you will uh, find yourselves on a very new trajectory with God if it's not something you've already been doing. So I just want to throw that out there. This, this changed my life and formed me. It formed my life in God. It's formed who I am as a minister. This subject has profoundly impacted my life, and I know that it's impacted many, many others as well. So let's talk about it, the giving principle. Um, it's, a, it's an actually a pretty simple idea. It's just hard to do it because of all the internal challenges you run up against. Uh, it's actually very simple in concept. It's just a little tough to walk out because of all of the undoing and the, the, the inner uh, conflict, the inner turmoil that you have to overcome in order to take these steps. But I actually want to talk about this idea of giving, the giving principle. And this is just, I made this up. It's not like... This is in some book somewhere. It's in the Bible, but it doesn't call it that this way. Um, I want to refer to this giving principle actually as a fourfold process because I think there's actually four major contributors going on for this giving thing to really work the way that it's supposed to. Okay? So the first is give and it will be given to you. Here we go. Luke uh, 6 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the first idea is that 
God says, if we give away money, God will give us money. That's a really crazy different idea than just think about if you tried to change this to make it read, if you give away money, your boss will give you more money. Okay, so then you go up to your boss and you say, hey, this is your secular boss. You say, hey, I gave away you know, $500 this week. Um, would you give me 1000 because I did that? They would look at you like you were the most bizarre person ever and promptly tell you to get out of their office. And rightly so, because that's not how money works, except it is actually the way God sees it. God says if you give away $500, I will give you money back, and I'm not going to tell you what that's going to look like, but I, God, will give you money back. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. When I first came across this, when I started reading the Bible and didn't know anything, never been to church, I'd been an atheist you know, all my life up until that point, I started reading the Bible and I read verses like this, I was like, if I give away money, you'll prove you're real. You'll show up in my life. You won't like, I won't just be reading the Bible, I'll be living the Bible. If I give away money, you promise you're going to see that and do stuff that I'll be able to count and measure and go, that was God doing that. I'm in. I want to do it. Second piece of this is don't forget the hard work part. Uh, Proverbs 14.23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. This doesn't mean don't work hard. When you give away your money, it's not like, okay, well, I'm going to give away my money, so then I don't have to work hard. No, working hard is another principle in the Bible related to money. If you work hard, God says, I'll give you money. If you work hard, I'll see to it that that hard work brings a profit in your life. Well, I don't want one or the other. I want both. (coughs) I want to work hard and get money. I want to give away money and get money. And this is all part of this, the way that the kingdom economics flows and works And so I I don't want anybody walking away tonight going, Brad said we don't ever have to work hard. We just get a little bit of money, we give it away, and then we just sit around like bums and wait for money to come out of the sky. Well, you put these two together, and really what we've based any value of either of those ideas on is the Word of God. But the Word of God also tells us that Matthew 17, 20 He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be, it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This third piece of the giving, you know, principle, if you will, at least as the way I see it, is that you've got to believe it. You've got to actually invest faith. It's not enough that You did what the Bible said and then forgot about it and then just went and lived like you didn't do it, like you didn't give away the money thinking that God would give you back money. You've got to engage faith. And the Word says that if you'll have faith, you can see God do crazy stuff. And so when we talk about this giving principle, it's really not as simple as you give the money away, you sow into into a ministry, you give to a missionary, you do whatever it is you do with it. It's not just you give that money away and it's over. You give that money away and it's just started. Now begins the dialogue where you've got to engage faith. And I'll just tell you, the hard part is part four, and I think it's essential to the process. I think the Lord is really about it, and it is absolutely my least favorite part of the process. And that is, got to persevere. 
And here's what it looks like. It takes no faith at all to have faith for three minutes. That takes nothing. That's, that's, you didn't have faith. You, just, you were in a good mood for three minutes. That's nothing. Faith is when you're up against it. Things aren't working. Give and it will be given to you. doesn't seem like it's working. It's like the Bible principle is a switch and it's broken. It's, the the given, given to you switch is broken right now. It's not working. You're not seeing it happen in your life. You're, you're very frustrated because that's what happens when we give away money or really give away anything and our time, our efforts, our, our heart, when we give something away and it's not responded to the way that we needed, we thought, we believed, and especially in the timing, we start to get really uh, frustrated and our tendency is to want to bail out. You can't bail out. You got to persevere. So I gave you, uh, this should be Hebrews 1036, not just some random book in the Bible 1036. Uh, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. You've got to persevere. And I, I just want to encourage you with that because re- related to this whole subject of give and it will be given to you, <coughs> Jesus didn't say how many days, weeks, months, or years would be between those two. He said, give and it will be given to you. Okay, cool, Jesus. Uh, how long? <coughs> it's crickets. Nothing. No words. Silence. He doesn't tell us. But he said he will give it to us. Give, and God says, I see it. I will return on that. I will give you back. I will. Every time. Given it will be given to you. But he doesn't say how long. He doesn't say what it's going to look like. He doesn't say how much. We don't know the details. And the details, it's a moving target anyway. They're different in every occasion. But you've got to persevere, which means you hold on. You hear it. You go, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. You decide you're going to give the money. You engage faith. You work hard the whole time, you know, doing your job, whatever it is. And you keep praying in faith, believing, God, I believe that you're going to do this because your Bible says you're going to do it. And I'm going to hold on to it. And especially when you hit those dark patches, those rough patches where it's just, it's not working and you've got, You've got too much uh, uh, required of you and not enough dollars to pay for it. Those are those moments. Okay, so I just that's just introducing this idea, okay? But now let's really get some perspective here. Whose money is it anyway? Just this same Bible that told us, given it will be given to you, also tells us a lot about how economics work under the sun and that God is the chief economist And he's the one that invented all these things. He he invented the idea. He says this, Psalm 50, 10 uh, through 11, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. Now this was before we had currency the way that we currently do. Currency today just represents economy and cattle then represented economy. And so the idea of God saying, I own the moo-moos. They, they came from me. Those are my cows. He said, they're not just random cows running around the earth. How did those cows get on my planet? God put them on the planet. He says, I own the cows. Well, time goes on. Economics, you know, starts to get to be a little bit more part of, you know, the way that life operates. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. 
He goes, that gold and that silver, it wasn't yours just because you found it. I put that there. I knew you were going to... Who gave the first guy the idea to think, wow, that's shiny rock. Let's make money out of it. God gave them that idea. God is like, I'm the one that created every version of economy, every dollar in existence, every cow, every silver in existence. It's mine. He says, it belongs to me, and I'm letting you lemmings. I'm lending it out to you. I've got it out on loan to you for a season of time, but it's my money. It's all mine. Everything is mine. And so God is the source. I just want you to think about this. Who owns all the money? The billionaires? No. God owns all the money. So when we're having the conversation about money, it's really important we're talking to the right person. Your solution, your financial you know, troubles and your financial solutions, it's really not this guy, this endeavor, this thing, this job. That's not really how you're getting money. You're getting money from God because it all belongs to God. And yes, it's through that conduit or this one or this one, but the Lord can in a moment shift the way that the conduit works. You can, you can wind up getting money this way and literally tomorrow not get money that way anymore and get money this way. He can do it in a day. I'll just real quickly, because I'm real big on this principle. I don't know if I'm going to share it in another session or not. <clears throat> one day, and I've been, I have been committed to this subject. One day, I was working at a job, and there's a job that the Lord had helped me get, and it was, it was a great job. And, uh, and one afternoon, I get, I get the pink slip. And they, the company was laying off everybody that was in my position for the whole company across the United States as a national Fortune 500 uh, you know, company. It was a big company. And they were laying off everybody that was in my position. And I was like, wow, I got this pink slip. And it's kind of like, you're going to be out of job at the end of this pain cycle. You're done. Like, you've got like 10 days left of work. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I just had this piece. I was like, I give my money away. Like, I don't know how this is going to work, but I give my money away. I am fully confident I'm going to be okay. I just don't know what it looks like. An hour later, I hadn't even had a chance to fall into non-faith yet. I'm still excited about God's going to take care of me. It's an hour later. My best friend's dad, I've grown up over at their house. I know this guy so well. I love him. He's great. He's a good dude. He was a godly influence in my life when I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. He calls me an hour later, and he says, Brad, I need you to quit your job, and I need you to come work for me because I'm starting this uh, realty firm, and you'll be perfect to be the office administrator. I need you to come. He says, whatever you're making now, I'll pay you more. I need you to quit your job. And I need you to start really quick. I mean, like, like next week or the week after. I, I need you. I need you bad. And I said, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> He's like, well, you were easy. I go, I actually got a pink slip from Lenar Holmes like an hour ago. He goes, whoa, really? I go, yeah. I go, the timing of it was like nuts. And so I wound up getting money from this way. And then like a week later, I get money from this way. And I was making more money. Just the Lord can do whatever he wants. He's in charge. The problem is when we approach money, we think we're in charge. And if you're in charge, I pity the fool because I don't know what's going to happen to you. And the problem is, here's the real problem. 
Some of us, if we're honest, we're not getting God involved in the conversation, and we actually are in charge. We took charge, and we are now in charge of our financial destiny because we're not given, it will be given to you. We're not engaging faith. We're not asking the Lord his will be done. We're not, at, we're just, we're doing it our way. And God says, you were never destined. You were never created to have to be God to yourself. You were never created so that you had to be in charge of your whole life and your financial well-being. But if you want that, I will let you have that that way. But then you're in charge. It's terrifying. We don't want that. Okay, so uh, Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. All the money too. That's part of the everything. That's part of the all things. All the money is God's. God owns it all. He's in charge. Now, the reason I'm trying to give you this pep talk is because the more you can engage with this, the more free you can get from the financial burden and pinch and the rat race. And that's really what I believe that God wants us to do. Look at this, Deuteronomy 8.18. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers to this day. Think about this. God is the one who gave the billionaires the power to make that money. And he's the one that gives every gives the guy that's working at Sonic, that was my first job, flipping burgers, the power to work at Sonic to be able to flip burgers to make money that way. And everybody in between. The Lord is the one that gives the power to make wealth. So we don't want to be looking at our boss primarily as the one that we get money from. We primarily want to be in a dialogue with God and go, how do I posture myself to get the most money from you? How do I get it out of you? You own all the money. Give me power to make wealth. And then the Lord's got principles. And he's like, well, work hard because all hard work yields a profit. Give and it will be given to you. If you give away your money, I'll actually give you greater ability to get more money. Engage faith. Don't just give away the money. <clears throat> Don't just work hard at the business. Don't just do the job that the Lord gave you. Instead, gauge, engage faith and go, God, bless me here. Help me here. And the Lord's like, yeah, I'll do that. I want to be involved in the conversation. You're not on your own. So the final question that I'll ask us here, again, rhetoric, is whose money are we worrying about? When we don't have the money, when it's like, oh, there's not enough money, I can't do the thing. Whose money are we worrying about? Our money? Aren't we really worrying about God's money? And isn't that a really bizarre thing to do? Like, how much worrying is God doing about God's money? Why are we worrying about God's money? And so Jesus just, he punches this demon of doubt in the face, and he says this in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, because eating and drinking cost money, or about your body, what you'll wear, because clothes cost, cost money. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, we not much more clothe you, you of little faith. Do not worry saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what we will wear. 
The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. We're worrying about God's money. So instead, I really probably should have put one more in there in that principle, and that is the concept of contentment, being content. Godliness plus contentment is great gain. We're content with what he's given us in his wisdom. We keep asking him for more, but we don't accuse our life or people or circumstances of not having enough money or God. We don't accuse the Lord. We go, I want more. I want you to do more. I want you to give me more power to make wealth. I want to give it to be given to you more. I want, to, I want to do hard work because it yields a profit. I want to participate in all this. But today, because you say you won't let the birds be without, and how much more will you clothe me? I have what I need today. Maybe there are some days where you look at what you have and you're mad about it, but God is content. God goes, I gave you today what you needed today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll worry about itself. So it's just, just be content with what I've, been giving, what I've given you today and figure out a way to make it work. I promise you, God did not mess up on the accounting ledger and give you too little this week. It just didn't happen. Now, again, it is possible if you've taken control of your life and you're like, I want this, I will have this, I'm going to do this, this is how I'm going to operate. God, I love you, but you stay over there. You're not involved in my finances. Well, then it's very possible that you actually are in charge of your life and your finances and that things may not be working that way. But if you're submitted to him, I guarantee you he didn't mess up on the ledger. Okay. Learning to trust. The journey, we can't start this conversation about giving it will be given to you, any place besides tithing. We have to start with tithing. The reason we have to start with tithing is because this is the way God introduced the concept to, to his people. It doesn't end there. It's the starting point. Tithing, just so you guys understand this, tithing is elementary school in the kingdom economics concept. You're not even getting to algebra and stuff in middle school, and then whatever the real math is in high school that I couldn't tell you or pass. This is elementary. The elementary concept of giving is as follows. <coughs> Malachi 3, 10 through 11. This is the Lord. He's actually rebuking the nation that wasn't doing elementary Christianity or elementary economics, elementary giving. He said this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I'm at the top of page three. Tithe, by the way, it just means 10%. And it was a concept that was already established. They knew that meant the first 10% of, of their crops, first 10% of their, uh, of their animals, uh, of their you know, livestock, first 10% of what they had as their income. It was to go into the storehouse. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there's not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. I want you to pay attention to this. <coughs> God says, I want to be involved in this process with you related to your finances and it starts with tithing. He says, bring it in. He says, test me in this. He said, look, you can test me. I don't see that anywhere else in the Bible where God's like, test me on something. I'm going to do this. Watch me prove it. 
Test me on this. He says, I'm actually game for you to test me because he understands how difficult it is for the human heart to let go of our hard-earned money because we don't yet understand these biblical principles. And he's got mercy on us in the process. But he says, test me in this and see if I don't blow your mind by doing supernatural money things you couldn't make happen for yourself. It's not like, it's not two plus two equals four. It's two minus two equals 72. So how does that even work? What is it? He goes, I'm going to do things that won't make sense. Test me in this. He says, in the process of all this, another way I'll bless you, and this is an important one for us to understand related to tithing. He says, I'll make bad things that happen to everybody else not happen to you. I'll prevent pests from coming on your fields. He's like, well, wait a minute. Pests go everywhere. Not if you tithe. Pests won't come on your fields. He says, I'll actually protect you from some significant distresses and problems that others are going to have to face because I want you to understand there's a God principle here. This isn't give away 10% and the money's gone. It's give 10% away and you just bought a God insurance policy. <clears throat> he says, I'll bless you. I'll protect you. I will show up in ways in finances that are really going to bless your life. Well, he also said that it's to supply for the ministry. He said, give this tithe that there may be food in my house. So this, in the context here, it's talking about the Levites being supplied for so they can continue to do the house of prayer. That's actually what the tithe in its fullest initial intention was to keep the priesthood going. And so the storehouse, this concept of where people are receiving their spiritual instruction, spiritual provision, spiritual protection in the place of intercession, all those different details, this storehouse. And so in our modern context, we see the local church, and we need everybody part of a local church for the sake of discipleship, relationship, accountability, teaching, friendships, staying out of the cold. I mean, there's a hundred reasons that the local church serves, and it really does supply as a storehouse of spiritual nourishment to believers. And so he says, I want there to be food in my house. I want the, the ministry to be supplied for so that it can continue to do what it's supposed to do. Well, <clears throat> to do this, and again, I'm, I'm talking to a room full of people that probably a lot of you already tithe, but there might be some that don't. And in either case, the statement is true. Every time you give your tithe, it takes faith. Because you have to believe that this isn't just a complete waste of 10%. You have to believe God is real and he told me to do this. And if I do this, I'm in his will. Good things will happen. Bible promises will happen. But it's a, it's a step of faith. Because every time you go, I actually could do a lot of things with that 10%. I mean, there's... That's like, that's a tenth of what I make. I mean, that's 10%. I got a lot of things I could do with that. And God's like, I recognize that, but remember that whole, I'll protect you from pestilences and do this and I'll bless you. Your 90% that you live on will actually get you a lot further than if you just kept the whole 100%, you were doing the 100% thing. God's like, I will bless it. I will anoint your 90, but I will not anoint your 90. I will not anoint your 100 if you don't give it. 
I won't anoint it. I will, you have extracted me from the conversation. You're on your own. You're in disobedience to the word of God. You're not doing what the Bible says. You don't have my favor on your finances. You can have my favor on a lot of other things in your life that you've chosen to participate with me. But if you're not participating in that tithe thing, you don't have my favor on your money. And you want God's favor on your money. I remember reading these things as like 18, 19, 20, and I was like, how could anybody try to live their life outside of having God's favor on their money? That sounds like a nightmare waiting to happen. The more I grew up in the kingdom, the more I realized so much of the Christian rat race, so much of the, well, I got to just keep working harder. I got to get a second job. I got to get a third job. I got a 90th job. I got to do all this stuff. I got to keep working. I got to do all this stuff. So much of the rat race, actually, not all of it. Sometimes the Lord has seasons where he wants us to work our butts off and be very stressed for a moment while he's working something in us. But so much of what I've observed in the kingdom over the years actually is people decided they weren't going to tithe. They don't have God's favor on their finances. And as a result, they're in charge of their finances and their finances aren't working. So they have to come up with solutions to those financial problems. And the only thing that they can do is get more, do more, try harder. It's really hard. Well, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What an expression of earnestly seek him. You give away your money to an invisible God and you have to believe that he exists. And when you do and you actually give it, he's pleased. I just want to say this. We want to understand the concept of giving 100% of the time. If you give it, and you're believing that God sees it, he's pleased. You can, I'll just say this, if you're having a bad day, give away some money, you can feel his pleasure right then. Because there's a guarantee that when you give that money away for God, and I recognize you don't ever actually hand it to Jesus Christ. I know, you're giving it to some need, some purpose, some person, some situation, some kingdom objective. (coughs) But in your mind, you're going, yeah, not really. I'm not really giving it to you. I like you, sort of. I'm really giving it to him, but to get it to him, it's got to go through your pockets. And then when we understand that, we can recognize there's pleasure from God. Every act of giving, there's pleasure because it requires faith to be able to give it. A lot of this really comes down to the subject of where do we put our trust? This is Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20, and it's also in multiple other places in the word, this concept. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What this breaks down to mean is some are looking at their finances, or in that case, their army size. And they're sizing up their army size versus the other guy's army size. And go, my army's bigger than your army, therefore we'll win. Ooh, my army's smaller than your army, therefore we'll lose. And the logic carries over into the finances as well. Oh, I don't have enough money. I can't make that happen. Oh, this, is, this isn't going to work. I can't, give, I can't tithe this month because we don't have enough to live off of. And the Lord's like, who are you trusting in? Where is your trust right now? I'm God. I own all the money. All of it's mine. I'm just asking you to participate with me in a principle that I've laid out in the word that's actually for your good. It's actually so you can encounter me more. Over the years, and this has been, I mean, this is just a painful thing I've watched. Over the years, I've watched people 
be crippled with fear. Crippled, where they're just, they are not able to get over it. And they're like, if I give away this money, I just don't believe that God will do anything. And so I'm going to be in a, in a real pinch because I'm not going to have enough. I've watched people operate in that to the point of losing businesses. I can think of a couple of people that have lost businesses because they wouldn't die their money. I can think of people, like right off the top of my head. I've seen people have to just be like a slave to the, the whole uh, world, uh, the workforce world. Just, they're just indebted. They're just, they can't ever take a day off. They can't ever do this. They can't ever disappoint a boss. They can't ever, because they've got to keep making that almighty dollar because their trust is not in God. Their trust is in, their, in the dollar, in their ability to make money, and in the, just the brass tax, this costs this much. If I work this much, I make this much, and then I can pay the bills. And that's the only equation that's operating upstairs. And it's, it's prison. It's prison. I want to say it's prison for many, many millions, tens of mi- hundreds of millions of American believers. Well, not hundreds of millions, but tens of millions. Tens of millions of American believers are locked in that trap in that prison. And it's, it's really horrifying because of what it winds up meaning. Their lives, they will never accomplish the things God wanted them to accomplish in their life. When they show up before the Lord, the Lord might say, hey, you were really nice to your neighbors. You loved your kids well. You did excellent in these areas. You missed out on so much of what I had intended for your life because you were trapped. You were locked in this burden, in this, in, in this enslavement to work because you had to make money because you didn't believe in me. Because you didn't believe that I could actually take care of your finances. I mean, just really, really painful. Because if you're working, 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 and God wanted you to work a third less and use that third to do kingdom stuff, but you never got around to doing the kingdom stuff because you were working all three thirds, then you missed out on so much, and the Lord that accumulates over time. <coughs> God wants forerunner ministries leaning. You know, we're doing this uh, course on developing a foreigner culture. A big piece of developing foreigner culture is getting forerunners leaning on God for what God says, what God wants, what God's doing, God's ways, God's message, God's purposes. And it's this leaning thing actually is a significant part of a foreigner culture. Over the years, it has been uh, oftentimes painful Many times glorious, uh, several times we're at our wit's end about to pull our hair out and we just feel like we'll die in a puddle. Trying to live this out and walk this out as a forerunner ministry on the ministry level. And the Lord even wants the prayer room, not just us as individuals, the Lord wants the prayer room leaning because we're a forerunner ministry. All right, shifting the conversation from duty to delight. That's what I want you to start thinking about related to the subject of money. We just talked about tithing because tithing is the introduction to giving. Because you can't give, I'm just say this right now, anybody who's thinking, well, I like to give a little bit. I don't like to tithe, but I do like to give a little bit and give to the different ministries. You've got to tithe first. You've got to shift your thinking, all the extra, I'm going to give a little here and do a little of that. That's fine. That can be your 11th, 12th, 13th percent. It can't be your first, second, third. You've got to tithe to a local church. You've got to start doing that. That's just, it's got to be a normal part. It's the introductory point of the kingdom. Tithing to the storehouse. 
Okay? So, shifting the conversation now from this burden of, oh, man, so hard, to if I do this, I get to feel God. Feeling God is more valuable than superpowers. Feeling God, the delight of feeling it, seeing God move in our life, that's better than going to the Super Bowl. Like seeing God actually engage us as individuals and moving on our behalf, the wow factor and, and the, the residual story and, the, and the, the joy that it brings the heart. Encountering God is more valuable than anything. Money, skydiving, a relationship. Encountering God is the absolute most precious concept in all of, of the earth. And it's what God said. He said, what's the most important commandment? That you would love me. I want to love you back. I want to have an encounter with you. So we want to shift this idea of, oh, I got to give money to I really want to follow the plan that God laid out so that I can encounter God more. And we encounter him not only through giving, but I want to tell you right now, I've probably had more encounters with God through giving than any other way. I, no, I'm, I'm confident I've had more through giving. The question is, possibly I've had more encounters with God through giving than all the other ways put together. That's, that's the, I don't know if that pendulum's quite at the 50% mark or not. I've had a ton of encounters with God through giving. And I want to invite you to this I want you to go get stories. I want for you to encounter God in the area of giving. <clears throat> so Jesus, let's read it again, Luke 6, Jesus told us his plan. He says, and I want to see Jesus do this in my life. Jesus said, "This remember, it's Jesus talking. And he's talking to humans. And he looks at him and he says, give and it will be given to you. But not just given to you. He says, I'm going to make sure it's a good measure, pressed down, shake it together, and then running over. Be poured into your laps. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Jesus is going, I want to have wild encounters with you in the area of finances. And he doesn't say, if you give a dollar, I'll give you a dollar twenty-five. He doesn't say that. He says, I'll encounter you. He says, it's going to be ways you can't imagine. I'm going to pour it into your lap. I like that picture because it's, it's poured into, into my personal space, into my bubble. It's poured right into my life. There's things, it's like, if you, it's poured something into, poured into your lap. I mean, you got kids and a kid was suddenly poured into your lap out of nowhere, like lightning. You know it. It's in your lap. It is very much in your personal space. And all of a sudden you are aware when something's poured into your lap, you don't miss it. I think that's part of what's being communicated there, not all of it. But I think that personal, like, whoa, God just poured something into my lap. I think that's a piece of this. I want to encounter God. Well, Jesus said it, and then Paul, Paul just like drove home the invitation. He took this idea that Jesus taught and that he knew from the Word, he knew by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he went even further describing how the economics work. He goes, listen, this is uh, in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, bottom of page 4. He says this, and I, I just want you to hear this. I want, you to, I want you to kind of measure yourself in this a little bit. Whoever sows 
sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, Paul knows that tithing is already the baseline elementary school. So Paul's not talking about tithing. That's already settled. He says, on top of tithing, I want you to understand something. If you decide you're going to sow, that means give money, if you're going to give money sparingly, God will allow you to reap money sparingly. Oh, no. Well, I want to be able to give sparingly and reap abundantly because that's not how it works. This is just like investments. You put a lot in, you're, you're risking a lot, it's possible you make a lot. God goes, gamble on me. If you sow sparingly, God will see to it that you reap sparingly. That's actually good news. He says this works even when we're talking about small amounts. And really, instead of amounts, you really want to be talking about percentages. Because for a billionaire, giving away $10,000 doesn't touch them. But if you gave away $10,000, we might have to have you live at our house. It's like, so, so I get it. Like, the, the, the amount really isn't the question. It's relative to your income. So you really want to talk, talk about, when you're talking about sparingly or abundantly, you want to talk about the concept of percentage, not the concept of dollar amount. Okay, because dollar amount is so relative. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking? Okay. So he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I don't remember when it was that I read this the first time, but I do remember the emotion I felt the first time I read this with understanding. It's possible I'd read it before and wasn't reading it really. I was just getting through the chapter. <laughs> but I can remember the emotion I felt when I read this for the first time. And I went, if I give generously, I have a guarantee from God God who created the universe and owns all the money, God will give Brad Stroop back money generously. Whoa, dang. Amen. I want to experience God. I want to have him do crazy things. I want stories. Not so I can tell him, so I can tell myself. So I can stir my own self up. I want to I see God move on. Give generously, receive generously. Oh my gosh, this is in the Bible. This seems scandalous. This seems too good to be true. This is a way to actually guarantee winning the lottery of sorts. This is crazy. He says, give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able. Come on, people. God. Not your boss, not your ability, not your job, not just you. God is able to bless you abundantly. I want to be abundantly blessed by God. I want to have God bless me abundantly where I look at it and go, that was unreal and that was God. Unbelievable blessings from God. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... Not just one or two, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
No, what? Wait, what does that mean? He says, God has the ability, if you'll sow into this, if you'll do this generous giving thing, God will give to you so generously that in all seasons, you'll be able to be generous continually. That having all you need, so that it's not like you're giving and that means you don't have what you need. He says, God will take care of all that. You'll have so much. You'll be able to be generous all the time. You'll be able to see the kingdom of God move forward. You'll be able to be one of those that takes the, uh, the violent, take it by force. All through the subject of money. <coughs> That's crazy. He says, now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, just to, so you can see it here. Seed for the sower is, su- is seed that goes in the ground so that you can take care of your needs, okay? But that, or, or uh, I'm sorry, I just did that backwards. Seed for the sower is seed that's gonna be sown into the kingdom of God, seed that's gonna be given away. He says, but also bread for food. That's seed to make bread to take care of your needs. It says, God knows how to give you enough to supply for all your needs and allow you to be able to give lots of money away and sow it into the kingdom. He says, he knows how to do this. And he says, if you'll do it, he'll supply and increase. He'll continually increase how much seed you have, seed for both. Seed for giving and seed for eating. Seed for taking care of needs. Seed for taking care of life. Seed for sustaining things and paying house notes and all those things. He says, if you'll lean into this generous giving thing, God will continue to increase your seed to do both. You will continue to be able to give more and more and more, and your life will get richer and richer and richer because he wants to supply for you too. Whoa, this is cool. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I just want to live that way. That sounds awesome. Every piece of that sounds incredible. I get more God. God gives me more money. I get to give away more money. How cool is it to give somebody $10 when they really, 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 really needed $10? How cool would it be to give a thousand dollars to somebody that really, really needed a thousand? What about ten thousand dollars? Well, if I've got ten thousand dollars to give away, how much money does that mean I have? Well, what does that mean for my life? If I've got more that I'm giving away, but the Lord's like, oh, I'm gonna give you even more bread for food, too. You'll have even more in your personal life. This is the coolest thing ever. So my life's going to be blessed. I'm going to get to be a blessing. I'm going to get to encounter God. I don't want to make money. I want God to give me money. Have money come from God in ways that it's obvious that it was God. It's the phone call an hour after the pink slip. It's, oh my gosh, you just did that. It was God. This is an unbelievable way to live. Okay, I'm going to give you just a few stories from when I was early in Christ, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you these because I, I just want you to see how this works. Some of you are already on this journey. Some of you need some pep talk, okay? So I'm going to give you a pep talk, and I don't want to give you a pep talk about the miracles I'm seeing today, 20 years in. I want to give you miracle stories about the miracles I was seeing at year one, two, three. So when I first came to Christ, 
I just decided, I don't exactly know, well, no, I, it was very pragmatic, actually. I started tithing because I read the verse about tithing. And then the church that I was a part of had a, uh, they were building a new giant building. And that was just kind of what people did. They just built giant buildings. And so this church was building a giant building. And so they were saying, hey, everybody, we're going to do this giving campaign. We really want everybody in the church to think about how they could be a part of this. And maybe you could commit a, a percentage or something, or you could give a you know, monthly amount or a yearly amount to help with the church budget uh, for this building. And I was like, well, I can't really afford to tithe, but I've been watching God do some stuff a little bit. I'll just do another 10% for the church building. I was like, I'll just, I'll give 10% to the church, and then I'll give 10% to the church budget, or the building budget. And I was like, that's just what I'm going to do. But then I kept noticing people in my life needed stuff. Somebody needed a Bible. And I was like, well, I want to buy that guy a Bible. And then somebody's like, hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to go out to lunch with you, but I really can't. But I don't get paid till next week. I'm like, man, I really want to be able to buy that guy lunch. There were things that were at arm's length that I wanted to be able to give to that wasn't my tithe, and it wasn't the 10% that I decided that I was going to give to the building campaign. So I was like, well, I really can't afford to do another 10%, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give away 10% to people, just stuff, things. I'm going to give 10% to the church uh, building campaign. I'm going to give 10% to the church for tithe. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'll just roll the dice, and maybe I'll die. If, if I die, I die. I'm with Jesus. Otherwise, I'm going to have a really cool story here in a minute. And I just decided I was going to do that. What was interesting, because when I moved from uh, the city that I was uh, in, in the Dallas area, Louisville, when I moved from there to Arlington, and I joined the church here that I was a part of, the first Sunday I was there, they said, hey, we're starting a building campaign. We're going to build a really big building. I was like, well, I'll just transfer over the 10% I was doing there. So early on in Christ, <clears throat> in my relationship with the Lord, I just decided I'm going to give away 30% of my money. I'm just going to live that way. I'm not going to do 10%. I'm going to do 30% because I really want to see God move. I want to see God do crazy stuff. And I believed that if I did this, I would see God do crazy stuff. I've got 100 stories. I mean, maybe more. Now, I'm going to just tell you a few of them. And again, I'm going to give you some of the small ones. But living this way required for God to show up or I wasn't going to make it because in this season of time, I, it, uh, the, those early days, and especially when I moved out here, because of the way that the Lord really kind of hemmed me in, I was making about $100 a month, a little bit more than that, uh, a month, $100 a month. So you're making $100 a month, you're giving away $30, you can't really do anything with 70 I probably should have just given away the whole 100 I, just, I don't even know what I was doing. But, but uh, I really couldn't afford to live this way, so what that meant was I had to have God move on my behalf. I needed miracles every month or I couldn't eat. I needed miracles every month or I could not survive. And I got miracles every month. Here's a few of them. Uh, one, this is just great. I was doing ministry. And uh, while I was at a, uh, uh, let's see, first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the second time that this happened, nope, work. I was working. I was working at a job. And uh, I come out to uh, the end of my shift, and uh, this is when I was still over in, living in Louisville, and my car is in three parking spots. And I was like, what happened? Well, somebody did a hit and run on my parked car while I was at work. And so now my parked car uh, is in three spots, and it, it was totaled because it wasn't a great car to begin with. And so my dad was like, well, the car is totaled. Uh, sorry. Um, we're just going to get the money from the insurance company, and uh, you're going to be without a car. And I was like, oh, that's horrible. 
And I said, well, how much will the insurance company give you for it? He said, they're only going to give me $200. I said, I'll buy the car for $200. He said, the car is totaled. I said, I will figure out a way. And it was in that same time period that I moved out here to Arlington, and I'm now in that $100 a month situation. For 18 months, besides gas, I did not put $1 into that car, and it ran for 18 months. I didn't give it an oil change. I couldn't afford an oil change. I prayed supernatural oil changes. I just said, Lord, I'm never going to look at the dipstick on that thing. I don't even want to know. Just supernaturally change the oil. We're, we're scheduling the oil change every 3,000 miles, Lord. Just you and me. And like, change it. Amen. I, and I never looked, and I didn't want to know. 18 months, I never put $1 into that car. At the end of 18 months, it truly would not drive. It was done, done, done. I sold it to a mechanic for $100. So the Lord supernaturally supplied for me. You know that whole, the, the pestilence won't come to your fields kind of thing? My car operated supernaturally for 18 months. It needed work. It just got in a car accident. And then one of the youth ran into the other side and messed up the other side. I couldn't roll down the windows. It was just a mess. The car had issues. It definitely had its issues, but I was godliness with, uh, contentment with godliness is great gain. I was just trying to live in that. And the Lord supplied for me for a year because I was giving money away like crazy from my perspective. And I was, I was expecting God to do supernatural things. Next one. Now, this was a little bit later, but I just, it's such a fun story. Um, this was, there was a brief time in 2008. I recognize I skipped forward a bunch of years for those of you who are paying attention. There was a brief time in 2008 where gas prices were $4 a gallon. And, um, and there was no way I couldn't afford it. I was in a spot where it's like, there's just no way I can't pay for that. And, uh, and it was really, really hard. And I had this responsibility. I had to, you know, drive and do extra driving that week. And I went to go fill up the tank and I had a credit card at that point. And so, um, I was going to fill up the card, or uh, fill up, I'd already filled up the card. No, I'm putting the, wow, I'm tripping up tonight. I put the uh, card in the thing, in the, in the card reader, and, and it gave me kind of this weird message. It just looked a little weird. I don't know what happened. And, uh, and then um, uh, I filled up, and at the end, it said, you know, card rejected or card declined or something. And I was like, well, that's no good. And it was $47 and some change for this tank of gas back when it was $4 a gallon and the vehicle I had and blah, blah, blah. And I was in a situation where I, I was going to put it on the credit card, but I really wasn't sure how I was going to pay for that. And uh, I go in to talk to the clerk, and I go, hey, um, listen, uh, I was out there, and it, it's rejected my credit card. Can you run it again? Uh, he said, no, it's, it's already taken care of. And I said, what do you mean it's already taken care of? He said, well, it says you paid, so I guess it's your lucky day. I go, I didn't pay for it. He goes, well, you're good to go. Have a great day. And I walked out of there not paying for the gasoline. And I was just like, that, that $47 meant a lot to me at that point. That was a big deal. But one of the coolest stories that I've ever had, it's so precious to me. It's just so precious. And it won't be as big a wow to you, but it's so meaningful to me. I'm just going to share it because it matters to me. It was in that season of time where I was only making $100 a month. Again, it was really, the total number was 111 after taxes. But I was making about $100 a month. And it was during that season of time, and I had some extra bills that month. And uh, the, the extra bills 
equaled I needed $54, okay? So this little bill for $20, this little bill for $13, whatever it was that month, I needed $54, and I needed it all in like in the next few days kind of a thing. And I'm praying, and I go, Lord, you know me. I've already given my 30% this month. I, there's no way. I'm not getting $54. Do you realize $54 was 50% of what I made in a month? I mean, we're talking about where would you go just get an extra 50% bonus on your paycheck, you know? It's a big deal. I knew where to go. So I go, God, I need you to take care of this. I don't know how you're going to do it. And I was thinking he was going to cancel the bills or whatever. I get a check in the mail a day or two later from my insurance company, and I wrote down what the, uh, the note that came with this check said from the insurance company. Now, remember, insurance companies, they love to gouge you of all of your money. That's their favorite thing to do. It's how they stay in business, okay? This is what the check came with an attached note, and here's what the note says, okay? This month, we have randomly issued partial refund checks as a service to some of our clients. A partial refund check in the amount of $54.13. I got exactly what I needed. I had just the, enough time to get the check deposited that day and then to be able to pay the bills two days later when they were due. 14, I mean, 13 cents. That's what the extra was. I needed $54. I got a check from the insurance company that said, of all the insurance money that we've collected this month, we've decided that we're going <coughs> to put aside a, a chunk of it and issue some random, it said the word, random, issue random refunds to different people in whatever amounts. Here's a check for $54.13. I, I was blown away by the Lord. Now, this next one's kind of fun. I'm trying to give you guys a vision for the story you get next week. I'm trying to get you stirred up here. Like, I want a $54.13 check from God when I needed $54, and it came just in time for me to get the thing checked or cashed. And so in that season of time where I was making the $100 a month, now this is another layer, and I'm sorry for the, the, uh, con the complication of this, but it's just important that you know it. During that season... The Lord was trying to teach me about reliance. He was trying to teach me about leaning on him and not leaning on my ability to make money. And he told me a really weird life parameter for that season of time. He, I just knew in my heart, he told me, just so clear, you cannot accept money for work rendered, for services rendered. If someone gives you money, that's fine. You can't go mow the neighbor's lawn and get money for it. You can't babysit the, you know, the kids or take care of the, the family's dog or their house while they're out of town and receive money for it. You can do those things, but you cannot accept money for it. And it was really clear. And that was so painful because the Lord really wanted me hemmed in on that locked $100 a month income thing. He wanted to show me he had the ability to provide for me. Well, it was early in that agreement that the Lord uh, forced upon me. And it was early in that, and I hadn't yet really learned the lesson yet. Probably should have known better. I knew what he'd said, but somebody asked me to do some work for him, and it was like really not a lot of work. I think it was like two hours of work. 
And they paid me $50. And I was like, and for me, that's half of what I make in a month. I was like, oh my gosh. I took the money and I was so excited. Then I got home and I felt so convicted. I was like, oh Lord, I am so sorry. I cannot believe I did that. I knew better. You know, I, I shouldn't have done it. I'm so sorry. And I, I heard the Lord speak to me in that. And it was like, you were disobedient in this. And I was like, yeah. The next day, I received a bill that I wasn't expecting for $50 and zero cents. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I'll take that. It's like, oh my gosh, I got a $50, like I owed a bill for the exact amount of money I'd made yesterday illegally. Like I wasn't supposed to make the money, okay? And, and I just heard the Lord say, I'll take that. That wasn't yours. I told you I'll provide for you, but you are not to work for money. Okay, I pay the bill that next day. So this is like day one, day two, day three, okay? Day one, I work, I get 50. Day two, I get a bill. Day two, I pay the bill. Day three, someone walks up to me, doesn't know any of the story, and hands me a $50 bill. And I, I heard the Lord say, see, I'll provide for you. And I went, oh my gosh, this is, that's crazy. 50, 50, 50, all in a week. His Lord's like, I can give you money. I just, right now, I'm trying to teach you something different. And I don't recommend people living that way. I knew the Lord was speaking to me, probably because he wanted me to preach a series 20 years later and be able to tell you a story. Okay? All right. Well, it's another season later. And I'm, I'm waiting, actually, to get that job that I told you I got the pink slip on. Okay? I'm waiting to get that job. And the company has told me, we're not hiring. Uh, stop calling. You're not going to get this job. You're not going to get this job. And I felt like the Lord, and again, this is another one of those I do not recommend that you do. I recommend you follow the Holy Spirit if you're sure, but don't just do something dumb like this. I felt like the Lord had told me, don't have a job, just pray for me to give you that job, and I'm going to get you that job. So all day, I mean, I don't mean like 12 hours a day, but like, I don't know, three or four hours, and then I'd get some other stuff done. I would just pray for God to give me this job, and then I'd make a phone call once or, you know, every other week or something, ask him. This went on for months. For months, I had no source of income, and I had a garage apartment that was $595 a month, uh, bills paid. So call it $600 because it's easier to talk about. So I got a $600 a month bill that's going to cover my living, uh, at least my dwelling, okay? And I have no income, and the Lord has told me for a season of time, this lasted for some months, this didn't go on forever, don't have a job, I'm going to take care of you. I needed the Lord to give me some crazy money every month. So one day, it's the day the rent is due. The Lord was just really not into doing things at the beginning of the month. He always loved the last day. But I started to learn that. It's the last day, and I'm sitting at home, and I am praying, oh God, the rent is due in a few hours. Please take care of the rent. While I'm praying, there's a knock at the door. Guy comes to the door. It's one of the old students, one of my friends, and Krill. Krill comes to the door, and he's got his uh, cousin with him. And uh, he always called me B-Rad. He goes, hey, B-Rad, what's up, man? And I go, hey, dude, what are you doing? He goes, oh, we were just at a family barbecue. And while we were at the family barbecue, we were talking about you. 
And we were telling all the family and all the cousins and the uncles and aunts about how you live by faith and about how crazy you are. And, and uh, we got done with the barbecue and we had all these extra cheeseburgers. And, uh, and my uncle said, hey, do you think that Brad guy would want the cheeseburgers? Oh, I forgot to, I forgot to mention. When I was praying, I was mostly not praying about God take care of the rent. I was mostly praying, God, I'm hungry. I'm so hungry right now. He shows up at the door with a bag filled with like, I'm going to say 25 cheeseburgers, okay? And I went, hallelujah. I mean, and, and I was so excited. They were like, oh, yeah, uh, my uncle, he said, do you think that Brad guy would want these cheeseburgers? And we were like, oh, yeah, I bet he'd love these. He doesn't eat much. He'd, he'd probably really love these cheeseburgers. And, and they said, oh, okay, well, write him this check. Here's this check for $500. Give him that too. They've never met me before. They show up with 25 days worth of food, if you will, and a $500 check, and my rent is due in a few hours. And I asked the Lord, okay, Lord, you just gave me $500. What do I do about the rest? And he told me specific things to pawn for specific amounts. And I went and did it, and I got the extra $100. And so, boom, I paid for rent that day. It was just a crazy thing. I was like, wow, that's just really nuts. Okay, it's another month. Might well have been the next month, okay? I don't remember the timing on all this stuff. Might have been the next month. It's the last day of the month, meaning rent is due tomorrow on the 1st. You tracking with me? And it's that night, and I'm journaling, and I go, God, like, this was the hardest one. We didn't make it through the day. Like, are, are we, we made it through the day and no money. I'm used to at least you giving it to me during the day. You know, this is, this is really tough. And I heard the Lord say, this was so weird. This was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had in my life. I heard the Lord say, your friend Luke Frost will give you $600 tomorrow. And I went, I haven't talked to him in two years. I haven't seen him. Oh my gosh. And I remembered a month ago, he had reached out to me via text. And we'd set up a lunch appointment for tomorrow. And I completely forgot because I didn't write it down. I completely forgot, and I was like, oh my gosh, you just saved me the embarrassment of not showing up at the Chili's, because I was supposed to meet him at a Chili's over in Louisville, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I go, I, I believe you're going to do this. I go, Lord, I am not asking him for it, and I heard the Lord say so clearly, you won't have to ask him for it, and I go, okay, this is really weird, Lord. I forgot I have this appointment. You just saved me the embarrassment. I got an appointment with this guy tomorrow. I totally forgot about this. Tomorrow, the rent's due. So we have this lunch. And I am sweating how this is going to go over because at this point, I definitely could not afford lunch. As soon as I sit down, he says, hey, I got lunch. I go, oh, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so we have lunch, and we talk. And I'm just I'm ministering to him a little bit. We're catching up, asking stories, questions. I don't ever allude, not one bit, that I'm in financial need or that I'm living by faith. or nothing. I don't say one word. When the waitress comes to give the check and he signs it and he gives it to her, it's like the Lord struck him. I watched this weird thing happen. He kind of like, like this. He gave her the, the check and he goes, and he looks at me and he goes, what do you need? And I go, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? What do I need? He goes, he looked at me, he goes, what do you need? He pointed. And I go, this is a good friend. I love the guy. I haven't seen him in two years. I go, 
dude, I was not going to ask. He says, I know you weren't going to ask. The Lord told me to ask you, what do you need? Tell me right now. I said, my rent's due in three hours, and it's $600. He said, I'll write the check right now. He wrote the check, handed me $600 check in that second. I was like, oh, my gosh. Why did that happen? Because I give away 30% of my money, and I couldn't afford the rent. Because I believe in this principle of giving, it will be given to you. God doesn't just do random things all the time that are these really cool stories to everybody. You've got to engage in principles of the Bible. And I knew how to do it. I was doing what I'm teaching you tonight. I lived it. It wasn't a teaching to me. It was a lifestyle. And so I believed that God would do this stuff. I went and paid, and I, I loved handing the landlord the money because they had no idea where that came from. They just thought I paid my rent on time every month because I did. I just, it wasn't my money. It was cattle on a thousand hills money. All right. Here's my hope in this session. I'm going to skip one. Here's my hope. We'll close out. Worship leader, you can come on up. I got a hundred of these stories. I mean, probably more. You can too. There's nothing unique about me. This is like, oh, well, Brad. No. I started doing this when I was 18 and didn't know anything. I'd never heard the teachings. I just saw a couple Bible verses. I said, I'm going to live this way. I want to see God give me money. There has been very few things in my life that have had more impact on causing me to believe God, enjoy God, believe God is real. I mean, God is real, people. He is really, really alive. And I got a million stories to tell you. I want for you to take that away. That, and part of the thing is, when, when you don't have your own stories, if any of you, that's the case tonight, or anybody that hears this later, if you're in the situation, you're like, I don't really have any of my own stories yet. Hear mine and believe I'm not lying. And let that be what stirs your faith to go get your own stories. Just go, I believe Brad's not lying. And I'm gonna, I want to see God do come, some of that stuff, $54.13 and the $600 and the blah, blah, blah. I want to see God do some of that kind of stuff and start giving and it will be given to you. And then when it's quiet for a while, because I want to tell you, I gave you most of the good stuff tonight. There are seasons where, I mean, how about any one of those months? Day one, two, three, four, all the way to 31. That was tumultuous. That's tough. You always want it today. And the Lord's like, I really love to give it to you five minutes before it's due. It's my favorite. The Lord really does have those kind of moments where, even seasons where things don't look like they're working out. You've just got to press through. You've got to persevere. You can't quit. You've got to keep believing. Don't get to the end of it and then quit. You've got to persevere through. You've got to believe that God will take care of you. Set your hearts. The Bible doesn't lie. These are Bible verses. These aren't good ideas or just Brad stories. These are Bible verses. The Bible doesn't lie. It's real. Expect for God to respond. And I want to encourage you tonight, go home and make an action plan. What does your giving look like? Figure how to increase it. Start staring at it and go, what would it take for me to engage faith to be able to give more? Come up with a game plan. What, and not just give more, but give more where, how, when, how much, what percentage. Start coming up with an action plan. Don't just hear tonight. If tonight you feel stirred, because some of you probably do, this is a stirring message. Don't just hear it and go, man, that was really cool. You're going to sleep tonight. You're going to forget. This week is going to have challenges. Come up with an action plan. Come up with a new way to engage God who says, with the measure that you sow, it will be measured back to you.
This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.